Hi, I'm Brenna Ardron, and you're listening to For Your Healing Pleasure. This life can be rocky, which makes healing a big part of it. I started this podcast as a space to explore all that promotes healing. Through the voices of guests, healers, and thought leaders, I hope you gain bits of inspiration for your own healing journey. I believe together we can heal. So without further ado, for your healing pleasure. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the For Your Healing Pleasure podcast. Today, we have Cassandra Long, and um, she's also a human design expert, um, breathwork meditation facilitator. Um, We met at a training with Milana Snow um, with Wellness Official in New York, and I'm so excited to introduce you all to her. Cassandra, do you want to introduce yourself briefly and kind of who you are, what you do? Before we get into sure, it. yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Brenna. Um, yeah, as Brenna mentioned, I am a human design mentor, and I've been um, self-studying human design. I self-studied for about a year, and then I've had two years of formal training in human design. So, still don't consider myself an expert, but definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely um, have been exploring really deeply and and going into you know a lot of different areas of human design. So, yeah, um, I also facilitate breath work and um and energy healing so I started out with Reiki and then did integrative energy healing training with Brenna back in September um and it was absolutely wonderful and life-changing and it's changed the way I practice entirely so really grateful for that experience yeah definitely um me and Cassandra sat next to each other on the first day of training Mm -hmm. and um She's such a bright light for the people that are watching the video. You'll see her like beautiful smile and everything. So um, I'm so excited to have you on, but we'll just jump into, I want to hear a little bit more about your background of even getting into human design. Um, Like what started you on that process of self-study? Yeah. Just a little more information on that. Yeah. So I don't remember exactly where I picked up human design as far as like first learning about it. I I feel like it was on a podcast for sure. Um, One of the the many podcasts that I listened to and it just intrigued me, but I didn't really look into it right away. It it just kept kind of showing up. I kept hearing it here and there. And um, just for a little bit of context, I live in the Midwest. So in the Midwest um, United States. And so human design isn't something that's like floating around a lot here. And so (laughs) you know, I was like, well, I'm interested. I really love archetypal systems. I love astrology, uh, anything really that can show us who we are, why we do what we do, those type of things. And so I finally just decided I'm going to look this up and, and see what what's what. And so I looked at my chart first and thought, oh my goodness, I, I don't know what I'm looking at, but uh, what is this? And then um, I saw my type being a projector. And so all I could do then was just like dig in and find more information about being a projector and what that meant and, you know, what my strategy and authority were. And um, then I began just searching uh, for podcasts about human design, just so I could learn more, um, trying to make sense of, of what a projector was. And um, just even reading the first little tidbits that I got about being a projector, just I felt like it articulated me so much more and better than anything else I'd ever seen before. So, I mean, I've taken a lot of personality tests and things like that, but this just struck a chord in me that I was like, I have to know more. And not only 
for myself and actually not for myself mostly. I mean, I felt like the, the minute I found out about a projector and what that meant, that I felt free all of a sudden. And then I wanted to know about every other type so that I could talk to my friends and family members about it and give them that information, which is all very projector-like. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, so I get, I mean, I, I feel like that is totally how most people like I hear getting into human design is just like doing that deep dive. And I think that is so necessary with human design because it's so information dense um, that doing that deep dive of self-study and then the um, intense study that you've done in the trainings that you've done as well is like so integral. Um, But I want to kind of delve into more like for people that maybe don't know what, what human design is. And then um, just like a high level overview of some of the, um, like the five types, the projector, manifesting generator, all of that stuff. Sure. So human design um, is a system that was a channeled system, but it's a synthesis of, you know, Western astrology, the Kabbalah, Kabbalah tree of life, um, the Chinese I Ching. And so it brings like all of these ancient modalities into um modern science and sort of combines them in a way that um, sounds really obtuse at first. It sounds like what? That's a lot of things coming together all at once. And when you look at, you know, the rave I Ching, which is the actual body chart, it is a lot to take in because there's so much going on. But what I found is that even without understanding any of that and just, you know, learning about your type and learning about your strategy and authority, it just sort of makes sense. And it's been so accurate for every person that I've read for or every person that even just looked at their chart, um, you know, within my family and friend groups just to say, oh, yeah, that tracks. And it makes so much sense um, that I haven't ever said, oh, do I believe the way that this system came down or, you know, anything like that? It's just um, it's just been amazing how accurate it's been and how on point. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And I I think that what's really cool about human design as well is it brings the this archetypal system similar to astrology um, into the body as well and makes it actionable within the body. So, um, I mean, we'll get into this more and more, but like one of the key parts of human design is the strategy portion Mm -hmm. of human design and, um, and, and also the authority and it's all body-based, which is so, is so major. And I think makes it really actionable, a super actionable system as well. Um, so yeah, if we want to delve in a little bit more to just a high level view of the types, and then we can delve a little bit into strategy and authority as well. Sure. So um, there are five types in human design. So the first being manifestors, who are about eight to nine percent of the population. And manifestors are really here to get things started. They have um, in human design what's called a closed aura, which allows people who are for them to to kind of be drawn near to them and people that aren't to sort of be repelled away, which sounds sort of like off-putting at first, but really it's a protection for the manifestor because they are so powerful and are here um, to really 
be trailblazers and doing their own thing and they really need the right people around them. So it acts as like a natural filter, allowing those that are for them to come in and those that aren't to stay away. And so, um, yeah, uh, pretty rare as far as type goes. So yeah, again, only eight to 9% of the population. And if manifestors are here to initiate and get things started, we then have generators and manifesting generators um, who are here to sort of take that lead and start to do the doing. So be the builders, be the, the folks that are actually um, getting things done, because uh, generators and manifesting generators have an open and inviting aura that's constantly bringing life and opportunity to them so that they can respond um, to life and, and to be able to you know, do the things that really light them up. And when they're doing those things, they're capable of just this immense creative uh, power to really build and create things in the world. Um, and together, generators and manifesting generators are about 70% of the population. So really, most of, of the world are uh, generators or manifesting generators, which is, is really exciting. Um, Projectors is the next type, and projectors are about 20% of the population, and projectors are really here to sort of guide those processes. So as things are getting started and people are working on them, they have a unique ability to just step in and, and kind of observe from a high level and say, oh, you know, this is going really well, but how about we tweak this or change that or, you know, just sort of providing that guidance uh, much in the way of like a consultant would in, in any sort of organization if you're using it, um, if we're looking at it in those terms. Um, and then uh, the last type is reflectors, and they're about 1% of the population. And reflectors are really here uh, to sort of mirror back uh, the health and wealth and prosperity of a society or a group or an employ employer. Um, so they're really here to walk in and say, you know, reflect back what's going on. So a lot of times I've heard them referred to as like CEO whisperers, where they can go in and be like, yeah, here's the health and wealth of this organization. Here's what we can do to change it. Um, so really being able to um, kick up on what's going on in, in the collective and in their environment and um, get a sense or a taste for what, for what that's really like. So they're really just like their type says, they're mirrors, right? They're mirroring back to us uh, what's going on. Totally. I mean, it's so cool. Um, I, I love knowing people's human design for people that know it, but seeing like reflectors, especially out in the world is so fascinating because yeah. they have this deep wisdom in like being able to kind of reflect what's happening in a space and like pick up on that energy that I just find to be so fascinating. Um, I guess I should have said this before, but um, people are probably going to want to, people that are listening, you're going to want to look at your human design chart um, as we're going through this so that you can kind of um, know a little bit more about what we're talking about. Um, so what is the easiest place or um, for people to find their chart? Yeah, so I think the easiest place for me was mybodygraph.com. You can pull a free chart. It gives you your basic information um, and it gives you really that starting point. Um, also, Genetic Matrix is another um, easy, accessible um, website that offers free human design charts. And yeah. you can create an account and they, they don't really like make you upgrade or, or pester you for any reason. It's just like you put your information in and it saves it there so that you're able to go back and look at your chart um, time and time again and, and create other charts as well. 
Totally. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll link both in the show notes, but my body graph, um, at least in my experience is a little bit like, it's a little bit more like beginner and interface. Like it's a little bit easier. And then genetic matrix has some like really cool features that you can like, um, get more specialized charts if you're more interested in human design and like really delving into some of those areas. Um, but I'd love to get a little bit more into, um, authority from there. I know that there are a lot of different authorities, um, but maybe just kind of a high level view. Um, cause I know that with human design, um, and I know that you recommend this as well. People starting with their strategy and authority when they're kind of delving into this. Um, so yeah, just a little bit more details on the authority piece. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, for anyone who's getting into human design for the first time, um, it can be really supportive not to look at everything and want to know everything all at once, but to really just, you know, focus in on what is my type? What does that mean? You know, for me, um, and then what's my authority, which we'll talk about in a second. And then moving on to just looking at your centers, because that's also an easy starting point is just yeah. looking at, you know, what centers do I have defined and what do I have undefined and what does that mean? Um, so with regard to authority, there's um, different kinds of authority depending on, you know, what type you are. So for manifestors, manifestors can have um, splenic authority, emotional authority, or ego authority. Um, And I'll go into kind of what each one of those means here in just a second. Um, Generators and manifesting generators will have either sacral authority or emotional authority. And then projectors can have um, emotional authority, splenic authority, self-projected authority, mental um, projectors can have soundboarding authority. And then reflectors um, don't have any definition. And so they have a, what's called a lunar authority or they have to wait a lunar cycle so that they can experience everything within that lunar period. So all of the transits going through to really know what's true for them and their body. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love that you broke it down based on type because as I've delved more into human design, I've been curious about and asked different people about their chart and what their authorities are. I've been curious about kind of how they break down. I I knew that there are some types that um, can have certain authorities and some that like don't have certain yeah. authorities, but um, that makes it like super digestible. Um, but yeah, I guess getting into a little bit more like specifics around like, um, you know, each authority, like emotional authority um, and Um, sacral authority and kind of breaking those down a little bit more. Yeah. So there is sort of a hierarchy um, to authority as well. So when we're talking about authority, always, if I see someone has a defined solar plexus, their authority is always going to be emotional authority. Um, And Mm -hmm. with emotional authority, it's, you know, all about waiting until you're in a place of emotional clarity to make a decision. So um, one thing that's said in human design about having a defined solar plexus or having emotional authority is that there's no truth in the now. So you're, you know, it's when you have emotional authority, you um, 
you can be on an emotional wave. So feeling really high emotionally, really happy, or be down in sort of a, a lower emotional place. And neither one of those places is really where you want to make your decisions from because it can be too impulsive. Um, you can change your mind, you know, like it could just change over time. So you want to give yourself enough time to come to emotional clarity. Um, and depending again on what type you are, You'll feel your your bodily response generally. So like for, for you, for example, you're a manifesting generator, which means you have a defined sacral. So you still are getting a sacral response. So the way that this would work for you, if you had emotional authority would be like, you get that sacral yes or no, and then you wait it out and you kind of see the next morning, am I still feeling yes or no here? Um, and then, you know, if it's still a yes, and it was a yes yesterday, and you're feeling emotionally uh, neutral, you can be rest assured that that's probably the right decision for you. If it was a yes yesterday and you wake up the next morning and it's a no, you can probably be assured that that's a no for you. But it's all about patience and waiting and giving just time um, for emotional clarity to come through. So, you know, I think the mantra for folks with emotional authority um, is always going to be let me sleep on it. So just giving the time and the space that you need in order to make a really good decision um, is, is really, really important for those that have emotional authority. Um, for things that are, you know, I guess medium to large size decisions, you want to give it plenty of space and time. For things in the moment where you have to make a snap decision, like are we going to go to this restaurant or that restaurant, always just relying on, you know, yes or no in the moment, right? So those things you can be impulsive about with emotional authority. But for bigger decisions or things that really matter, you want to give yourself that time and space to really feel into the decision. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think that like, I, I know a few people in my um, life that have emotional authority. And I've listened to some podcasts of people that have that have emotional authority. And it seems like for them, like typically, like if something's super activating in the moment, that's like not the time to make the decision. But once they like kind of cool off, it has a completely different tone. Um, so yeah, I think that that, that definitely will provide some, some actionables for people with emotional authority or even just will resonate as true, which I think yeah. is, is what's key with human design in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think one of the things that human design brings to the table that makes, I mean, authority so important is that as humans, we, we try to make all of our decisions with our mind. And what human design really is asking us to do is to drop down into our body and really pay attention um, to what's going on in our body, how we're feeling, like letting those things come through instead of, you know, using our mind to make all of our decisions, because really we can talk ourselves in or out of anything. And so using our mind, so we can, we can ruminate over things for days, for months, for weeks, and still not know what the decision is using our mind, but our body always knows. And so I think, you know, with human design in general, it's all a big experiment. So just experimenting with what happens if I use my authority? What happens if I wait until I'm in a place of emotional clarity to make this decision? You know, how did right. it turn out? Or thinking back to the times when, um, when you did wait to make a decision until you were in an emotional place, how that turned out versus making a snap decision in the moment. You know, so I think you know, that's when I'm talking to clients who have emotional authority. I always like to give them that assignment of just thinking back to the times when they made snap decisions or when they really waited it out and how those things turned out so that they can get a clear picture of, oh, 
okay, yeah, that was actually a better decision when I waited versus when I did it in the moment. And, you know, just playing with that as they move forward, like just we're human, we're going to um, forget to access our, you know, authority sometimes. And so just keeping track of, oh, okay, yesterday I, I, I was feeling this way and I made this decision and this is how it turned out. It's kind of like monitoring that and then just really tuning into our bodies and learning to use our authority in the right way is step one for so many things, including, you know, just like feeling like you're more in the flow versus having all of the resistance. So yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Um, I've definitely felt that I, I have sacral authority and, um, I'll have you talk more about yeah. like what that is in a second, but I felt that, um, when I actually am making decisions from my authority, how freeing it is, even mm -hmm. if it feels scary in the moment, because I, another thing we'll talk about in a bit is just the deconditioning work of, of human design. Um, oftentimes the way that, or sometimes the acting out of authority is maybe in contrast to the way that we're conditioned to act. Um, and mm -hmm. so, um, kind of relearning that muscle, but, um, for me, it's been very freeing because, um, with sacral authority, it's just the gut response. You don't have to like ponder, or think about it. It's just like, what feels like a yes or no? And then it's done and you can move forward. Um, so yeah, I guess with that, like, um, what, what are some of your, um, tips around sacral authority? Um, and what is sacral authority? Yeah. So going back to the hierarchy, um, when looking at a chart, always looking first to see, do they have a design solar plexus, which means emotional authority. The second thing is, is the sacral defined? So if the emotional center is not defined, solar plexus, but the sacral is, I automatically know that they have sacral authority. Um, and that really is um, some of the wellness buzzwords that have been, you know, for years have been listened to your gut. It really applies for this, you know, the, the folks that have sacral authority or the 70% of the people that have a defined sacral, you're constantly getting um, these, you know, visceral responses in your body to yes, no questions. So I think for, for sacral people, um, it's that gut feeling, that gut knowing of this is a yes or this is a no, but it feels more like uh-huh or uh-uh. It's really primal sounds that are sort of coming up from, from your gut, right? So just these visceral bodily knowing of this is a yes or this is a no. Um, and it's most evident. I always I like to look at, at children because, you know, they haven't been so conditioned out of their responses that you'll hear kids all the time. I'm not responding necessarily yes or no, but with their gut response, they're like, uh-huh or uh-uh or, you know, and then their parents are kind of scolding them being like, use your words, you know, but really that's right. just their, their guttural <laughs> response coming up. So that's um, the best example of how that works. And, and the best advice that I, I I like to give for people with sacral authority is just really training yourself because it can be so easy as a generator or a manifesting generator to want to use your mind for things or for all of us really. Um, mm -hmm. So just tapping in and dropping into your body. So whether that's just like remembering each morning, say, okay, today I'm going to remember to use my authority and then taking a deep breath. And then just like, as you go through your day, as you realize you're, you know, making a decision for even the smallest of things, you know, just really relying on what that feels like in your body and just noticing what happens if I felt yes, but I said no, or vice versa, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times we feel no, and we say yes, because we're trying to people please, we're trying to 
make someone else happy. Um, we think we can take it on. You know, we really want to make people happy. So we say yes. Um, so really experimenting with that. And again, um, same thing with I said with emotional authority is just keeping track of maybe in a journal or in a voice note of the times when you said yes, but your body said no and how that turned out for you and just really experimenting with it. Um, a good way to get good at using your sacral authority is just to have someone, preferably someone like a projector or a manifester that doesn't have sacral authority, um, asking you yes, no questions, but it can be anyone that you trust really. So just making that decision and going with it. So just yes, no type things like, do you want pizza or do you want hamburgers and whatever comes up first, even though that's really a small thing, trivial, it helps you build that trust muscle that I'm going with what my body knows. Um, yeah. another thing that comes up with all authority types that I think is important to mention is just that sometimes, you know, people think, well, I used my authority and it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, but we have to remember too, that even if we are using our authority and it's telling us something to do, even if it doesn't turn out the way we think it should have, it's still probably for our highest good. Right. And it's leading us down mm. the right path. So continuing to trust that it's leading you in the right direction is incredibly important. Oh yeah. That's so interesting. Um, cause yeah, I, I could see that being, um, kind of an issue or maybe a repellent for people using yeah. their authority, but, um, yeah, in my experience, um, especially in beginning to do the work of like, yeah, seeing like, oh, that was a no, but I said yes. And this is how it turned out. Yeah. And I think that like, yeah, the trust muscle is really key of like, um, of, of really like on both sides of the coin of, um, if you do something that maybe was not acting out of authority, um, I mean, Lacey Phillips used this, uses this terminology, but like running into the fire and like kind of touching it and, and seeing that it's hot, um, doing that a certain amount of times and then noticing like, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore. Um, and then doing the right thing and and noticing how much better it feels and at least for me how much energy it frees up because you're not using all of that mental to yeah. do like pro con list whatever, um, yeah it I just find it to be super freeing. Um, but yeah, let's continue down the list sure, of the sure. yeah, yeah. So um, if they don't have an emotional center defined or or the sacral center, the next thing I look for is the spleen. So splenic authority is the next authority up here. And it's um, the spleen is its center in human design is our oldest center. It's about survival and being instinctual, right? It's those instincts that we have to survive. So if you think about maybe like a cat, you know, and something loud noise, they jump, they run, that's their, their survival instinct. And we have that same survival instinct um, built in within us. And so splenic authority is just this quick, um, very quiet knowing it's a bodily knowing, and it shows up in different ways for different people. Um, for me, it is a reaction when it's a yes, I can feel it like in my body, almost like goosebumps. Um, but that's mm -hmm. not everybody's experience with splenic authority. So it kind of just shows up in our bodies differently. But so learning to tune into that or listening for that. Okay, I think I'm supposed to do this thing. It doesn't make sense to me mentally, but it's that's what I feel like I should do. I mean, that's just exactly how it shows up for, for people with splenic authority and sacral authority is like thinking, hmm, not sure this makes sense, but I know I need to follow it. So it's very intuitive. Um, it's a very quick, quiet um, 
knowing and it doesn't come again. So it isn't um, going to show back up. So you have to really listen in the moment with splenic authority and, and act on it. Um, yeah, so I think it, it can be a little bit tricky sometimes for people to get used to that because, again, the same thing's true of sacral authority is it's not always going to make sense in the moment. And you're going to want to be like, well, I listened to my spleen and this still this thing didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. So, you you know, you kind of have to give it some time and um, experimentation to really feel into building up that trust muscle within you and um some advice I give for people with splenic authority is just really getting into the habit of telling, you know, for me every morning, I'm like, I trust myself and just really mm -hmm. feeling into, I trust myself and leaning into that as I go through my daily life. And I've, I've really lately been on an experiment of letting my spleen lead. So if I have a hunch or a, or a little hit that I need to do something, I do it right then in the moment. So if I say like, go to the kitchen, I'm going to go to the kitchen. You know, um, you know, if I say turn left, I'm going to turn left, even if I really intended to turn right and just see where it leads me. Um, not to the point of chaos, but definitely just like following and just being really curious. I think with splenic authority, it can be fun to just be curious. Um, and then, you know, leading yourself into a place where you'll know and you'll start to really realize when you drop into your body and listen to that knowing what's right for you. So I hope that makes sense. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that um, I I know some people that have that are protectors with splenic authority. And I yeah. think that it is similar um, in that looking back and seeing if you can take inventory of like, oh, I knew that was a no for me. And I said yes. And what that feeling was of like, of when that comes through can be super helpful. I feel like for people, um, to, to kind of get an idea of how that feeling feels in their body and then be able to, um, bring it through in their life to those moments. But I love that affirmation of, I trust myself. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important with any of these authority pieces, um, of really listening to your intuition and listening to your body as well. Yeah, and I think it's important that um, to note that we can all use our minds for, um, you know, to know, like a computer, we can use it for evaluation, we can use it for looking at things and just kind of seeing what's going on. But ultimately, almost all of the authorities are going to be about dropping into your body and feeling what feels right for you in the moment. And so totally. um, Next up on the authority hierarchy, if I'm if I'm looking for what's defined next, if someone does not have any of those first three defined, but they have a defined ego, um, ego authority is more like leaning into what you want. So it's a very individual, very I want. It's what do I desire? What is it that I really want? And so it's just coming from a place of like just really core desires. So it's really what I want, what I will, you know. So that one is. Um, pretty it's not very common to have ego authority but like projectors mm -hmm. and manifestors can both have uh project or uh, ego authority um but it's not very common but when i see someone with an ego authority it's just important to really have them tap into what are your core desires what is it that you want because those are the things you're going to want to express and that's how you make decisions i want this thing i'm going for this thing um so mm -hmm. they really have the ability to lean into that and um make decisions from that place um, Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I've met anyone 
that has ego authority, but that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, if someone does send me a DM, I'd love to talk to you. (laughs) It's not super common, Um, but there are quite a, you know, quite a few, I don't know the, the percentage off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah, I think a lot of times when we were talking earlier, I think now is probably a good time to mention that you can have multiple centers defined. And so what we sort of look at in those cases is that it's like a backup authority. So a lot of times you may have, mm-hmm. you know, a defined sacral, defined spleen and defined um, heart or ego center, right? So all three of those things being defined, you're always going to rely on your first authority is always going to be the most trustworthy, but understand that you're also getting information from those other places. So, you know, if you have a defined ego and a defined sacral, it's like, yeah, always listening to your bodily responses, but also knowing that it's like, what do I want? Do I want this thing? Do I have the heart for it? Is this what I want to do? You know, kind of leaning into those extra centers. But yeah, for someone that only has the ego defined, um, from the other three first, like, so not having any of the other three. Yeah. It's really all about what they want and what they will and what they desire. Mm -hmm. How cool. Um, I, I love to know as well, the, the, what you just said that like, um, there can be like kind of this, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, like backup authority or like other like tools that are in your toolkit of like, um, these are other areas that like, I may need to look with regard to decision-making. And it, um, I think it, it likely still goes back to your main authority, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, that's super interesting to know. Um, Yeah. I think it's just one of those layers that in human design, you can get like so down in the weeds with all of these different things and everybody's (laughs) so individual and different. Because you can also, you know, have um, your centers that will hijack your authority or take you off track a little bit where it's like your makes you kind of not want to listen to your authority. And so that can be a whole other layer of decision making or something to be aware of when you're when you're learning how to use your authority. Right. So, interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um What's the next one? I know that we're getting into like rarer and rarer territory. Yeah, sure. But yeah. So the next one is um, self-projected. So self-projected applies to the projector type. So it's where your identity center is connected to the throat. And so with this um, authority type, it's really about like talking it out. So the the truth just kind of comes out for these folks, their bodily knowing shows up in a need to express. So whether that's writing it out, talking it out, um, that, you know, getting that expression is how they're they're making their decisions. And so um, I'll use uh, my brother as an example, because even before I knew about human design, um, I knew that if he was calling me, he always had some decision to make because he doesn't like talking on the phone and um, he didn't really want my input or opinion. He would just call and talk about whatever was on his mind, this thing that he was grappling with. And by the end of the call, he had made a decision. And so when I found out about human design and found out about self-projected authority, I looked up his chart and sure enough, that's the type of authority that he has. And it just, (laughs) it's so, it's, that's one of those things that cemented for me, like human design, um, you know, being such a helpful tool because yeah, before I even knew about it, this is how he's showing up in the world. And um, so, yeah, it's just, it's really helpful for those folks to have a trusted person and for them to be able to tell that person hey, um, not looking for advice here, or if they are to ask for it, but just say, I'm not looking for advice. I just need you to kind of talk this out with me or let me talk it out. Because what happens is just as they're talking, the truth just comes out and they'll realize that the truth's there in their words. So as they're expressing, um, 
it just becomes very evident what the right decision for them is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, um, I guess this is like one of like what we were talking about before. Cause like I, in my chart, I, um, my, um, throat is connected to my mm-hmm. G center. So I have an aspect of self-projection. So I, I, that's not my authority, but, um, I do find myself talking things out loud often, or I've had that experience of like, um, you know, like just talking about something and then someone's like, was that a question? I'm like, no, I think I just needed to like say that and like, you know, speak it out loud to like get to what I need to do next. Um, so yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I've heard of other people that have that authority that like, they set up kind of those um, systems in their life to um, or like those people that they talk to so that they have that channel open for for decision making, which I think is super interesting. Um, Absolutely. It's it's super supportive um, for them to have those people in their life so they can talk to. Um, And even if they don't or if they don't want to talk to anybody about it, I think some advice I gave a self-projected projector recently was like using voice notes, you know, or even just like mm-hmm. talking to yourself or writing it out. If, if you prefer to write as a form of expression, it's all about the expression and seeing what's coming out in the words. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and then what are the last few? Um, yeah. Yeah. The last um, type also pro- pro- um, is for projectors it's uh, mental projectors and it's called uh, you know mental projected authority soundboard authority it can be called and so it's pretty similar to being self-projected in that you just need a soundboard you're you're here to be when you have this type of authority it means that you only have the first three centers or some combination thereof defined Mm -hmm. so crown ajna throat or just ajna throat um, connection and so it's really about, you know, you're here to be an outer authority for people. So helping them to make decisions by your knowledge and wisdom. But when it comes to making decisions for yourself, you know, having a soundboard or someone you can talk things out with um, someone, you know, to kind of just the same with the self-projected, being able to just get it out, like and listening to the words as they're coming out um, is highly mm-hmm. important because that's where the truth lies. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, I've I've met one person that has that authority yeah. type, and um, yeah, I just think it's really really interesting to um, to see those different types out in the world and kind of how they like move about and make their decisions. Um, and then the last one is for the reflector, right? The lunar, yeah. 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 So um, with reflectors, reflectors don't have any definitions. So there's nothing to say like this center is 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 where you're drawing your decision from. So it really is about being um, able to wait, um, wait to make decisions when they're big decisions. Again, the same with emotional authority. If there are small things in the moment, like, you know, deciding where to go eat for dinner and things like that, that are of little consequence, this does not apply. This is more applicable for like moving residents or taking a job or, you know, Mm. big decisions in life. So according to human design, the most aligned decisions for a reflector are going to be made when they wait a full lunar cycle. So 28 days, you know, waiting that 28 to 30 days to make a decision. And the reason for that is, is just, you know, 
as the transits, so the planets in the sky are, are moving, they're, they're sort of shifting. They're, they have, with the transits, various centers and channels and gates defined um, during that time period. So throughout that time period, they're going to experience what it feels like making this decision from a sacral place or from a splenic place or from, you know, an ego place. So all of those things will come into play over the course of a transit. And, and, and ultimately, what's the yes over all of those, you know, days? What is the yes that's the mm -hmm. most consistent? Um, and that's kind of where they'll make uh, their decision from, uh, which is a really long time to wait. So that's a, you know, reflectors, again, are 1% of the population. But imagine being in that position where, you know, I have this job offer and I have to wait a really long time to make this decision, but it, that's how I'm going to make the, the healthiest decision for me. So sometimes I think like not being too stuck in the dogma of it, like sometimes you are going to have to make a decision before a full 28 days mm -hmm. have passed as a reflector. So I'll tell a reflector, you know, use the time that you have, get all the time that you can, and then really feel into what that feels like, you know, over the time that you have. So if you can extend out, you know, making a decision about a job for a while, to do that so that you really have the time you need to feel into it. Um, it can also be really supportive for reflectors uh, to have someone, a trusted person, again, to talk to um, about the decisions they're making because they can also sort of talk it out, if you will, and let the let decision come mm -hmm. to clarity in that way. But it's always going to be most productive for them to wait out as long as possible, but ideally a full 28 days before making major life decisions. Wow. That's yeah. so interesting. Um, yeah, I, I've always wondered how that works, but I, I, I think that, um, it's been interesting for me to think about, um, with all of the open centers that reflectors have, like how energetically like tuned in they must be. And so really having to like have that time to get quiet, um, based on all the transits and all of the things that are moving, I could see that being really important for them. Um, sort of going into the next um, thing that I want to talk to you about, um, I definitely want to talk about the centers. I know that we've gotten into it a little bit in talking about the authorities, and that's one of the things I love so much about the way that you describe human design is like you really – um, link all of these things back to the chart, which I think is so cool because um, it helps people to understand the way that the chart flows a little bit easier. Um, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about the centers, um, what opened and defined kind of means, sure. and then um, the, the not self themes of the centers as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you pulled up your, your chart and bodygraph.com or in um, genetic matrix, you'll see, you know, some shapes and the shapes will either be colored in or they'll be white. Um, and when I'm referring to defined centers, we're referring to those centers that are colored in. And when we're referring to open or undefined, it's those that are, are white in the chart. And so um, definition in human design is, is just basically when two gates come together. So two centers are linked by what's called gates that form a channel. Mm -hmm. So it's just centers where, you know, there, there, there's definition there. And what definition means in human design is just consistent access to that energy. So wherever we have definition, that's energy that we have access to 24 seven. 
And it doesn't mean that we're always at the highest expression of that energy, um, but it does mean we have consistent access to it. Um, and, and there can be conditioning with defined centers as much as there, well, not as much, but there can be conditioning with defined centers um, and undefined centers. So just knowing that, you know, as I'm talking about centers and, and kind of what lives within a center, there's the highest expression and the lowest expression of each one of those centers um, and both, you know, can, can exist. So um, do you want me to just start with top yeah, and work yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, in human design, uh, much similar, if anyone's familiar with the chakra center or chakra system, this is kind of where this is drawn from. But instead of just having um, seven chakra centers, there are nine built into human design. So it makes us nine centered beings. And when you're looking at a chart, it's just basically a visual representation of what a body looks like, right? So a body graph is what it's called. And the centers are sort of <laughs> in relative um, proximity to where they would be in your body. So just giving um, us as humans a, a way to conceptualize what it looks like. Um, so the first, and I actually like to talk about the crown and the Aja sort of together. So um, mm -hmm. together, they sort of make up the mind. So the crown is the first chakra, and it's all about divine inspiration, you know, mental inspiration, thinking, understanding. So it's constantly like pulling in information into your crown so that, you know, it's just like, information from the universe, from other people around us, all of that. So you're constantly pulling in insp inspiration and um, information um, via the crown center. Um, and when you have the center defined, your inspiration and thoughts come in a consistent way. And so it just means that you're, you always are sort of thinking in the same way. You have a very defined way of thinking. Um, you can be a strong inspiration for others just by being in your own process. So letting yourself be yourself. Um, and being an outer authority for others. So your unique way that you see the world and the defined way that your thoughts come in um, is an inspiration for other people. Um, only mm -hmm. about 30% of the population has a defined crown. So the majority of us have undefined crowns. Um, so mm -hmm. the difference there just kind of being that when it's defined, you have a very defined way of thinking, of taking in inspiration and understanding things. And when it's open or undefined it's sort of more like you're just taking in everything you're amplifying it and you're taking what you feel like applies to you in your life so you're like taking in the best of everything so like anyone with a defined crown or you know divine information coming from the universe like what works what doesn't and kind of throwing out the rest and being super open-minded about what can come in. So it gives you the ability to be super wise about, you know, mental inspiration, what's inspiring, who's inspiring, you know, what thoughts matter. Um, and mm -hmm. sort of the not self here is um, if you have an undefined crown and um, by not self, it just means like you'll know you're out of alignment if you're thinking about things that don't matter or trying to answer everyone else's questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was I a lot a, of information um, all at once. And yeah. So no, but it's so, it's so good. I think that like once you tap into the centers, I've definitely experienced like, I, I think that human design um is so, is so accurate in general. Um, But I have definitely experienced, especially once you tap into the centers, like it really resonating deeply with like, oh, that's why that happens. Or that's why like I always am like consumed by that or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm in the category. I do not have a defined um, crown or Ajna. So 
um, yeah, I definitely sometimes can get caught up in other people's questions or like thinking, ruining, ruminating about things that aren't mine. Like that definitely happens. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. And then what about like going down sure. to the next center? So the next one is the Ajna and the Ajna is, is just where, you know, um, conceptualization happens. And so conceptualization, so we're taking all of this inspiration, all of these thoughts, and we're making sense of them because that's what we're designed to do as humans is to make sense of, of what's, what, what are all these things coming in? Right. So, um, with the Ajna, if you have a defined Ajna, which I think 51% of people have a defined Ajna, um, it's just, it's, it's a way of making sense of things. So if I think of those refrigerator magnets, that's what I like to think of that. Like were words that are all jumbled up and you can make quotes out of them. It's like, <laughs> yeah. they're coming in as this jumbled up mess, like all these thoughts, all these things coming in, but your Ajna is what takes it and makes a, a sentence out of it. So it makes sense out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's making sense of concepts of opinions of intellect of all of those things. And so when you have a defined Ajna, you just have a consistent way of conceptualizing of thinking, um, sort of can be not stuck in your ways necessarily, but can get stuck in, in your own way of thinking and in your own opinion. Um, but in the highest expression, you can be an outer authority for people. And um, I think some of the the grapples of a defined um, Ajna can be just, you're always thinking, thinking, thinking. And it's just like, you know, there's just all this mental activity that's going on, you know, that it can be a lot of... Uh, of mental pressure and anxiety with these centers, you know, um, in general, mm-hmm. whether they're defined or undefined, um, the undefined Ajna, the not self theme here, when you find your off track is just, you know, always trying to be right. So it's like, you know, having the need to, to be right all of the time is a sign that you need to like mm-hmm. slow down, take a beat and be like, am I right? Am I certain about this thing? So the, the not self question is, you know, am I trying to be certain, you know, trying too hard to be certain. Mm-hmm. Um, me having the center undefined, I have found that like, yeah, I used to get caught up in that all the time. Be like, no, no, I know this thing is right. Like, I'm not going to let it go. And then what I finally just decided to do is just be like, you know, I may not be right. Let's just Google it. I mean, we have this power in our pocket. So <laughs> let's just pull the phone out. Let's just check that I'm right about this thing. I feel pretty strongly about it, but you know, I'm not going to hold on to that idea. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the Ajna. So the crown brings the information in the Ajna conceptualizes it. And then we move down to the throat, which is where things go for expression. So in human design and in the body graph, the throat is like grand central station ideas and inspiration are coming in from the crown and pressing down towards the throat. And then information's coming up from the root center. Everything's trying to make it to the throat for expression, for manifestation. So the throat (laughs) center um, is really, really important um, in expression. So if you have a defined throat, you have a consistent way of speaking, you have a consistent way of telling your truth, and you have a fixed way of expressing yourself and acting. Um, The lowest expression of this can be... um, you know, talking too much or too little and not waiting for right timing. So again, going back to using your own strategy and authority to figure out what's the right time to say the thing is incredibly mm-hmm. important. So, you know, using timing can make sure your message lands right when you have a ex- uh, defined throat. But the same also applies for an undefined throat. So with an undefined throat, you know, you have the, the capability to really take in all these different ways of expression um, you know, you're taking in energy into this undefined center, you're amplifying it, and you're taking what works best for you. 
and leaving what doesn't um, in any undefined center. So with the throat center, it's all about, you know, being a voice for maybe the voiceless, the people that don't have a voice. It's about, you know, being really flexible in the way that you speak. So um, people with undefined throat centers often don't know what they're going to say until they say it. Um, so it's really difficult to say prepare for something like, you know, making notes for a speech or something along those lines, because really all you can do is prepare yourself to the best of your ability and then just let what comes through comes through. So undefined throats mm -hmm. can often be like a channel, if you will, like letting those things just come through. Um, and the not self there is, am I talking too much and trying to draw attention to myself? So a lot of times people with undefined throat centers can feel kind of invisible, like they're not being seen or heard. And so they'll just mm -hmm. talk to, to draw attention. And so when you notice that you're doing that, it's just important to take a step back and be like, oh, okay, I noticed myself doing that. Next time, what I'll do is just wait for my strategy to tell me it's the right time to speak, right? And that, so then mm -hmm. your message will always land correctly. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you talk on um, the importance of the throat center because that's something that I've definitely um, – just been discovering in my work a lot more and just kind of what I'm seeing is the importance of like just everyone really exercising that muscle of like bringing things out through the throat. Um, and, um, I also love like, so one of the other aspects of human design that I love and we've been touching on is, is the not self theme. And, um, I, I just have a quick question on it. Like, is that like another form of like protection of energy in human design? Um, because yeah, I feel like there are a lot of protections built in of human design of like really like authority is like, what do I have energy for? What do I not mm -hmm. have energy for? Um, and I, I wonder if not self theme is kind of like another like protection of like leaky energy maybe or like exerting energy in a way that like is not not best for you or not in the greatest alignment um yeah, yeah. I would say absolutely yes um that it's not only I always look at it first and foremost of the signpost like it's just kind of a oh I'm doing that again right it's a way for you to start deconditioning um and it's a way for you to start, you know, paying more attention to your strategy and authority because you're noticing, oh, I'm trying to answer someone else's question or I'm talking to get attention or I'm, I'm talking way too much, you know? So it's those kind of little signposts that can redirect you. But yes, it is absolutely for protection because you're right, um, especially for, you know, projectors, manifestors who don't have defined fake roles. A lot of times it's going to protect that very limited energy that someone might have um, available to them and use it for what they should be using it for, you know, what's appropriate to use right. it for. Yeah. Totally. So that's a really good observation and something that I think about a lot, especially with a defined solar plexus, um, is one that comes to mind as being, um, some of the not self there is, is absolutely for protection. Yeah. It's, it's like, mm. yeah, you take in so much of outside energy, collective energy, um, of those around us and of the transits that, it can be overwhelming in these open centers. And so the not self is really there to protect you from that, but also just to guide right. you towards, hey, yeah, use your energy this way. Yeah, so good observation. Yeah. Excellent question. Cool. Yeah. And then the next, I think the next one is the G center, right? Mm -hmm. After it the is. throat. Yeah. 
So the G Center is all about just your identity. It's where they say, you know, your soul resides. It's who you are. So it's like the, the identity center um, being um, focused in on identity, love, direction. So it's where are we going? You know, um, who am I? Um, what am I here to do? Who am I here to love? Who is here to love me? All of those are sort of you know, keynotes of the identity center. Um, if you have a defined identity center, you have a fixed sense of identity and direction. And it doesn't mean that you always know exactly where you're going or have a clear idea of what's going to happen in five years. It just means that, you know, you've got this built in GPS that's going to keep you on course one way or another. So if you're making decisions that aren't aligned with your strategy and authority, it's going to kick you back into your space. It's going to knock you in the head sort of until you're like, okay, 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 I'm back on my path now. And so it's just, you know where you're going in life. It happens just naturally if you're following your strategy and authority. Um, you can be a natural guide for other people. So it helps like other people to know what the correct path for them is. Um, and yeah, I think in, I don't know if we talked about how many people have a defined throat, but I think it's 71% people have defined throat, 46 have a defined oh, wow. G. So I was still putting those stats in there since I think we started out with yeah. that. Um, so 46%, so almost half, right, have a defined sense of direction um, and uh, uh, where they're going, um, that kind of thing. And then there's the other percentage, 54% of folks who have an undefined G. And when you have an undefined G, you're really here to just like be really, really flexible to like really live in the flux and flow of life and experience what it's like to have different identities. So it's very appropriate for people mm -hmm. with undefined G centers to feel like one person one day and one person the next and, you know, really diving into feeling all of the ways that we can be human, all the ways we can, you know, act in the world. Um, so it's, it's really important for people with undefined G centers not to get tied to like looking for direction too much or looking for love, um, just really feeling into what does this environment feel like for me? Cause environment with, for people with undefined G's is incredibly important. Um, mm. having a, a place that feels really good to them and, um, it, it is incredibly important because if it doesn't feel right, whatever comes next, is not going to feel right. So if you're at a restaurant and you're getting just like this feeling like this is not the right place for me is very okay and healthy for someone with an undefined G center to be like, can we leave? Can we go to a different place? Because I'm just not feeling this place. Um, because generally what'll happen is if you stay and continue to have whatever business meeting or dates or whatever it is that's going on at the restaurant, it's probably not going to go very well. But if you find a place where the environment feels right, it's probably going to flow a little bit better and feel a little bit better for everyone involved. And so it's it's just an experiment again for those that have an undefined G of of really playing with if I go to this place and I do this thing and it feels good how does it turn out you know if I didn't listen to mm, this environment doesn't feel right to me how did it turn out so really leaning into that but the not self theme here is you know asking who's going to love me you know where am I going um, mm -hmm. th those are some of the not self themes there so it's just like leave it alone and surrender. I think for undefined G's, surrender is a big, big deal. So surrendering to life and just letting it happen, like love's going to come to you, opportunities are going to come to you, and just trusting that process is incredibly important for those with an undefined G. Yeah. That is so cool. As you were saying, like, um, you know, if the rest, if a restaurant environment doesn't feel right, just as an example, I was thinking about like, this happened years ago, but one of my friends, um, she's telling the story about her dad 
and they had all gone to dinner, like their whole family or whatever. And they sit down at dinner and they like ordered drinks or something. And her dad was like, it doesn't feel right. I don't feel right about like this restaurant or whatever. So they go to a different restaurant and they ordered like appetizers there or something. And he's like, no. <laughs> so they went to another restaurant for dinner. And I was like, that is so like crazy. It's like the great, like who does that? But it was like a traveling party for dinner. But um. I was like, I now I wonder if he had like an undefined Jason <laughs> and was just like honoring that. Like, this doesn't feel right. Like dinner is not going to be right unless we're in the right environment. Um, but yeah, yeah I that, bet I he mean, did. And I think some of the yeah. truth is that like, if we get out of our heads even a little bit, we don't have to know anything about human design. If we get out of our totally. heads and tap into our body, it sort of naturally happens, right? But being aware and understanding, you know, the forces that are at play just give you that extra tool in your tool belt to be able to navigate life a little easier or to experiment with what works and what doesn't work. And that's definitely one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so what is the next down yeah. the line? So next down the line would be the sacral. And we talked about this when we talked about, you know, manifesting generators and generators have to find sacrals. And what the sacral center is, is just access to, you know, the vital creative life force that's, you know, that exists for us here. It's the, the, the energy for work and for pleasure and creativity and all of that. And it's, it's always consistent and always on for people with a defined sacral. So it's just, you know, this ability to wake up with a full tank of gas of this energy in the morning and be able to use that all throughout the day and, you know, fall asleep exhausted at night. Um, so it's really important when we go back to using our strategy and authority for those who have sacral, you know, sacral definition to really say yes to the things that are yeses and no to the things that are no's. Because if you get caught up in working, um, you'll have the energy to do whatever it is you need to do. But if it's something you're not enjoying doing, or if it's it was a no and you said yes anyway, that can lead to burnout and it can lead to just frustration and, you know, feeling like, you know, you're, you're doing something you don't want to do. And it's just really draining. It's like, you know, letting all yeah. of the energy drain out versus like letting it sustain a project or sustain work that you love. Um, so that's kind of how you know if you're in alignment when you have a defined sacral is, you know, am I feeling frustrated or not, right? Like, am I, am I doing this work and it feels good to me or am I not, you know? And that can apply to so many different things. So I think a lot of times um, for people with defined sacrals, just making sure you're using your energy for things that are, are, are yeses for you. Um, and engaging in creativity and play as much as possible, just really feeling into what it feels like to have pleasure in your life, to play and have fun, you know, and not just like put your nose to the grindstone um, and rest. Yeah. So you have all of this energy, but it's also important to rest. Um, so when the center is white or undefined, um, you're either a reflector, a projector, or a manifester. And so people with this center undefined have the capacity to take in so much sacral energy from those around them or from the transit, and they amplify it. So there's this tendency of people who have the center undefined to really work way too hard and to overdo it. And so the keynote for this, the not self theme um, keynote is, you know, do I know when enough is enough? Like, am I doing too much? Right? So not knowing when enough is enough is a key signpost for those who don't have this center defined to stop, like to turn around, like say, okay, like 
I do have the ability to keep going here, but I really need to stop and rest because my body's telling me to stop and rest, you know? Um, so that's just something to pay attention to with those who have this center undefined is the ability that you have to outwork everyone is incredible, but also it can be really detrimental to your health and your well-being because you're doing way too much. And so it's important to recognize when you're doing too much and to stop and rest um, when you have this center undefined. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm, a, I'm a manifesting generator, so I have my sacral defined, but, um, I will say that in experiencing burnout of like doing the wrong mm-hmm. thing for too long, there's nothing or anyone that's experienced that type of burnout, there's nothing that's more de- decentering yeah. than that experience because like, and then you need to like, go into overdrive with like the rest and recuperation to like get back to center. Um, so yeah, that's like a, a, a big, I think that like, there's nothing that's more important than like rest or kind of listening to those signposts. Um, and then, yeah, for not energy, non-energy, um, beings are like, people that don't have that sacral defined, like, yeah, that rest piece being so, so important. Yeah. Um, and just yeah. recognition, just being aware, I think is what helps because I can say um, for me, I was living very much like a generator, manifesting generator my whole life, you know, taking in and doing way too much. And um, it, it caught up to me and I was burnt out. I had health problems. And the minute that I started paying attention to where I was spending my energy and making sure I was taking rest periods, it corrected itself, you know? So I was really able Mm -hmm. to just by being aware, put an end to that cycle of, you know, getting really sick from overdoing it, forcing, which is basically a forced rest, right? When you get sick, you have to rest. So yeah, that was something, a very important lesson for me as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then what is the next center? Cause I know yeah. now it starts to get a little like, <laughs> so I think, I think we'll go over to the solar plexus, um, which is that it's a triangle over on the right hand side of the chart and the solar plexus is where emotions live. So this is, you know, um, emotions, moods, sensitivity, all of the things that go along with, like, with that. So it's like how we feel you know, what are we passionate about, you know, where we can be moody, all of the things. So what makes us most human is our ability to emote, is our ability to feel and our ability to express those feelings. And so when the center is defined, um, you are an emotional being, you are setting the emotional tone for those around you, for your environment. Um, You have a consistent um, way that you express emotions and you are really here to like teach others about what it is to be human and what it is to feel. So you're pushing out those emotions into the world. Um, And those who um, have an undefined emotional center are taking that in, amplifying it, feeling all the feelings. So, you know, if there's two or three different emotionally defined people in their life, they'll know what it feels like to be Brenna or to feels like to be Susie or whoever right around them and Mm -hmm. taking in all of that and saying, okay, now I really know what it feels like to be this other person. Like that's empathy at it's at the core of that word, right? Like, so what it feels like to have a specific emotion, what it feels like to be in that situation, whether or not you've actually been there yourself. And so a lot of times um, it can be um, 
really helpful for people with an open emotional center to, and for any center really, to just really take inventory at the end of the day of what have I picked up that's not mine? And being aware, because mm-hmm. you can feel sometimes when you are um, undefined there that those emotions are yours when really they're not. They're t- you're taking them in from your environment or someone else. So just learning again to drop into your body, to be aware of what's there and to take inventory and clear out every night through either meditation, taking a bath, visualization, whatever works, is, is really um, supportive for people with undefined emotional centers. Um, for people with defined centers here too, it's important to recognize that everybody's emotional wave is a little different. So depending on what gates and channels you have defined in your chart, you're, you're gonna, you'll experience your emotions a little different. Like some people have really high highs and low lows. Some people experience like a moodiness. Other people experience like more of an even keel. Um, and some have a combination of all three of those things or one or two. So um, it's really with the center, um, the not self keynote is avoiding confrontation or truth, um, hard truths. And so back to what you said earlier, this is a protection because like you're taking in so much, it can be really painful to have like all those emotions coming at you at once and you might not want to deal with them. So it's learning to be like, which situations do I need to engage in? You know, I need to learn how to gracefully confront, you know, uncomfortable truths or confrontations or things I don't want to deal with emotionally. Um, That's kind of getting to that higher expression of having that center undefined eventually is just like recognizing you know, using your strategy and authority again, like, is this something I want to engage in from, you know, and how can I do that gracefully? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have, um, I had a session with Cassandra, and she highlighted this for me, because I have an undefined um, emotional center, but I have a lot of gates off of that center. So um, it's active, but I don't have any channels. So it's not defined. Um, and, uh, emptying practices for me. So anything that's like, like breath work is a great practice for this of like moving and releasing energy. Um, journaling is something that like, I've really committed to more, um, to just like empty out any emotions that are kind of in my space or in my, my body or in my aura, because, um, for me, I can, um, feel people's emotions that aren't mine. And so bringing some agency into whether I'm going to take those on or address them, if it's like something that needs to be confronted or like whatever it is, um, has been super important for me, um, of being able to like really release things and let things go as it's important. Um, and the confrontation piece, man, I do not like confrontation, but sometimes it's necessary. Like you do have to talk things out now, even if they're uncomfortable, um, to avoid, you know, it getting worse or for me, like a blow up later because you've kind of pressed things down. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really important just to recognize that. And I think that's part of what makes it so fun to experiment with human design is just like, yeah, really learning how to tap into those things and becoming more equipped and resourced emotionally to be able to handle those kind of things, whether you're defined or undefined, you know, learning Mm -hmm. what works best for you is so important. Um, Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, the next center is the the heart center or the ego center. It's sometimes called, um, or I think some schools of human design call it the will center as well. But this is where you know worth, willpower, um, and self esteem, uh, and you know worth on both a self-esteem kind of place and also on the material plane live. And so this is where it's just like, we have the ability to, to know when you have a defined will center, like, you know what you want and you know how you're going to get it. But it's also like the ability to say like, I have these resources, here's how I'm going to use them. Um, there's an ability to just like really have a lot of willpower to get through things. Um, there's also a tendency with this center defined to want to prove yourself and that's completely healthy and appropriate when it's defined. So it's like you are here when you have the center defined to be willful. So you should be asking yourself questions like, what do I want? What do I need? Is my heart actually in it? And like really going from a place that's, you know, that's there, but where you can kind of get off on the, the shadow side of things is like expecting everyone else to have that same amount of willpower and that same amount of like, puffed up like pushness right like so you have to just be say hey this is me and what I want but it may not be what everyone else wants that I you know I don't have to be you know expecting everyone else to keep up with me and my desires and that sort of thing um people with an undefined ego center or will center are um really prone to a lot of conditioning this is a huge center for conditioning taking in like low self-esteem, low worth, not, you know, so this is one of the places where if someone has an undefined or open um, ego center, I'm always wanting to make sure that, you know, one of the mantras that they take away is I have nothing to prove, not to myself or anyone else. And that's just something that I tell myself every day, having the center open, but also find that it's really supportive for people to remember. It's like, you don't have anything to prove. You are here to really figure out what is worthy, you know, what does that look like? You're taking it in and you're amplifying it so that you can become very wise about that, about, you know, worth on the material plane, self-worth, willpower, all of those things. Um, and you can be competitive and you can have a little fun with that, but it should never be for proving yourself. It should never be for, I'm going to, you know, show them how good I am, or I'll be the best sister ever if I just go buy all the gifts. And, you know, I, that's kind of like telltale signs for me that someone has an undefined center, if they're constantly trying to like, buy someone's love and attention, or, you know, with either their actions or with material goods. Um, so it's very important that you recognize those things and say, Oh, am I trying to prove myself, you know, and like backtrack and be like, I have nothing to prove. Me existing is enough. And, you know, just living from that space, it's also really supportive for people who have this center undefined to not make promises that they can't keep or not make promises at all. Just say, you know, I'll get to that when I can, um, or, you know, like, yeah, I'll get that done for you, you know, and like make it really open-ended so that you're not setting yourself up for something that later on you don't have the energy to follow through on and then kind of fall into a little bit of a shame spiral because you weren't able to fulfill the promise that you made. So I think it can just be really supportive to to keep those open ended or to not make promises at all. Just say, yeah, I will get to that when I when I'm able. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> both of us have um, this center yeah. undefined. So that mantra for anyone else that's listening that also has an undefined um, heart or ego um, of I have nothing to prove, not to myself, not to anyone else. Um, that is so huge because, um, 
Yeah, I, I I definitely have fallen into that trap of, you know, buying too much or like yeah. to to prove my worth in some way. And um, I think that that's, that's such an important thing to remember. And I think that for anyone that um, is discovering now for the first time that that is what's happening in their chart. It can be very freeing as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And if you have the center defined or undefined, I think it's just important, just like with everything else um, that we've talked about recently is like recognizing you have a capacity for work. You have a capacity to keep going and, you know, to willpower your way through things sometimes when you have the center defined, but it's important to recognize when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. Right. So it seems to be a little bit of a theme here with the sacral and with the ego. It's like learning when it's time, when enough is enough here and when to stop. Yeah. Totally. Um, I know we're running up against time, so I'll go through the last two yeah. pretty quickly. But um, <laughs> the root center is down at the bottom of the chart. And this is um, that pressure center that's driving energy up again towards the throat. So this is where like stress and adrenaline and the ability to get started. So it's like an igniter. It's like, you know, this pressure to start and to do and to go. And so when it's defined, I mean, you really do have the capacity to have like access consistently to drive an ambition. So it's a fixed way of dealing with stress and with pressure. Um, a natural sense of ambition um, and a spark to getting things done. Um, when it's undefined, you can kind of feel like a lot of pressure that comes in like from other people with this definition. Like, yeah, I should be doing this thing. I, I just want to hurry up and be free from this pressure. So I'm going to, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And you can kind of get frenetic about things and like in a tizzy. Mm -hmm. um, the difference between the two, I think sometimes shows up as like someone with a defined route over here, they're in the process, they have their sense of timing and what's supposed to be happening and how to deal with stress. And someone that doesn't, they might look at that person and be like, Oh my gosh, why are they always late? Why are they always never on time? And they're just like, not doing this thing in, in the same way I would do it. And you know, having those kind of thoughts are the low expression of having the definition there. And then just like right. on the undefined side, recognizing when you're like in a hurry to get free from stress and pressure, then, you know, you've recognized, Hey, I have my own timing. I can do things in my own time and it's just fine. And just becoming very comfortable with that and being comfortable in that process. Um, yeah. So that's the, the root center. And then over on the left yeah. hand side is the spleen and the spleen is um, in human design where our instincts live. I think I talked about that earlier, just like the survival instinct. So there's a lot of like fear awareness in the center. And so with it defined, you have, you know, consistent access to those instincts or intuition. Um, so always having access to, you know, consistent intuition and, um, you know, instinctual abilities. Um, and then with it undefined, you can become very, very wise about intuition. You can become extremely intuitive because you're constantly taking in that information. But the key is like letting go of what's not yours so that you can have access to that. So sometimes people with undefined spleens um, can be very, very fear fearful. Um, they can hold on to things for far too long. So hold on to jobs, to um relationships to situations for far longer than they need to just out of fear so that can kind of look like "Ooh, i don't want to leave this job because what if another one doesn't come around that pays as much as this one um so i'll just stay here or i know i need to leave this relationship because it's not healthy for me but i'm going to hold on anyway because i'm afraid that you know of what is after this right like maybe there's no more relationship maybe i'll be by myself 
Um, so it can be really, really important just to tap in and, um, and recognize that, you know, when you're holding on to things too long um, and when it's time to let go, when you have an undefined spleen. So I know that was really, really fast, but. Um. No, I mean, I think that thank you so much for coming on and we'll have to have you back to discuss because I could talk about human design all day. Um, but, um, thank you for being so generous with like your, um, your description of the centers. And I think that I love that we've tapped into this cause I don't, um, I haven't heard a lot of podcasts that really delve into like all of these aspects of it. Um, so, um, hopefully people, will, um, be able to look at their charts and have a little bit more digestible information. Um, where can people find you? What do you have going on? Um, yeah, just, um, tell us all the things about you and what you're up to. Sure. Yeah. I have a website, um, where I take bookings for human design meetings and, um, integrated energy sessions and it's in bloom guidance.com. Um, and so that's how you can connect with me for a reading. Um, yeah, and I, I agree. I love talking about all of this and it's so nuanced and there's so much I didn't say and yeah. so much that I wish I could have said, but I mean, we could go on for hours. So yeah, anytime I do offer both foundational readings, which is just focused on type authority and, and, and your centers, as well as full-blown readings where you're going through all the gates and channels and all of that. Ideally, I like for people to get the first one and then come back for the second one because it's a progression. And I think it takes a while to absorb the information and sink in. But really, I like to just meet people wherever they're at in their human design journey and be able to support them um, and, and give them the information that's going to set them up for, you know, more flow and ease in their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Of course. And everyone that's listening, I will see you next week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the For Your Healing Pleasure podcast. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms as well as watch the video on YouTube. To keep up with this podcast, please subscribe. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. I really appreciate it. To keep up with Spiritum Meditation and this podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Spiritum Meditation. If you would like to book a session with me, you can do so at SpiritumMeditation.com.